0: and let's read it in the round so read a verse or a sentence or two and then um sacrifices that Moses commanded you commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to that. Instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet people still came to him from everywhere. Excellent. So again we watched it, we got to read it. I mean the you know we, we read it in like 30 seconds. That was about a three-minute scene. It was nice to have a little bit of expansion on it. But Jesus heals this man with leprosy, right? He comes to him. He begs him on his knees. If you are willing, you can heal You can heal me. And then he heals him. And then he says, don't tell anybody about this, but I want you to go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing. But the man disobeys Jesus and just goes out and begins to tell everybody, right? He says, hey, I had this thing happen to me. Um, and as a result, again, Jesus kind of is has this reputation as a healer people start continuing to come to him from everyone or from everywhere so a couple things to help us put this text and understand this text I want to I want to go back to the Old Testament connection because there's a strong Old Testament connection this is in 2nd Kings chapter 5 verse 1 through 7 uh, there's one other kind of uh, instance in the scriptures where there is a man healed of leprosy and it happens in 2nd Kings chapter 5 verse 1 through 7 so let me jump over there, and I'll, I'll read these guys. You have in this passage, in this little passage, uh, this Second Kings is a lot about, um, uh, it, it's, it's, again, that kind of kingly period of Israel, right? When Israel had all of the kings that were kind of running Israel, so you have a man named Naaman in chapter one, and he's a commander of a, like kind of an opposing army, an army of Aram, right? So not a, a friendly army to Israel, but um, he it's the, the Bible says, and so five one, I'll read it. Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him. Uh, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he has a problem. What's his problem? Leprosy, right? Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken a captive young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. So, Naaman goes to his master, goes to the king, and he he tells him what he heard from the girl from Israel. And he says to her, he says, by all means, go. The king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 sets of clothing. The letter that uh, he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy, right? Now, verse 7, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tears his robes, which is a sign of distress. He tears (laughs) his robes and says, am I God? Can I kill and bring back life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me, right? Right? So he has this kind of encounter, this, this, this guy Naaman comes to this king and he says, he, he basically says, in essence, am I God that I can cure leprosy, right? And this tradition, this, um, you know, this, this kind of response, this kind of, the way that this grows in the Israelite conscience is like, there's only one person that can kill leprosy. Right. There's only one, the dominant belief was that only one person had the power to cure leprosy, which was who? God, right? So when the leper, notice this is subtle, but we we pick this up. When the leper comes to Jesus, right, to ask him to heal him, it sounds a little bit like it has these, it's tying in back to this Old Testament story. It's tying in and it sounds like Naaman going to this king saying, you know, can, you know. Can I? Can you come cure me of leprosy? And I, I like this this kind of the way maybe that I don't know if the, if if Mark was intending to do this to kind of play on these words, right? The king responds here by saying, right? Like, am I? Like, am I God? Right? Am I the one who can give life to save life and to kill? Can I do this? Am I? And then you have in. In Jesus' words, as he's speaking to the leper, he uses this phrase, I am willing, right? So the king responds with a question and Jesus responds with a statement. Again, it's probably stretching it a little too far that Jesus is making this, you know, this kind of I am is this theological phrase for, for the name of God. I, I didn't pick this up in the commentators, but I just found this really interesting that, you know, again, you're, you're linking these stories together, right? The Bible is one grand story. So to think that you know, Jesus is just the, the one that kind of, it's, it's all linking together. So this story in the Old Testament where you know, Naaman is like, you know, am, I the, am I God that I can do this? And Jesus says, I am, in essence, God. I am willing to do this. Right. And so when we link, again, both of these together, one of the things that Mark is doing, and we can be sure of this, one thing that Mark is doing is he's he's laying down what we would call a Christological foundation, right? Jesus isn't just a prophet. He's not just this kind of traveling healer. He's not a wandering teacher. He's not a potential Messiah. Again, he's subtly, and we kind of see Jesus taking these steps. He's subtly stepping onto the stage and putting forth the credential that he is the Messiah, right? That he is God's anointed one who actually is God himself. So one of the things that we look at in this passage is there is this Old Testament connection between Naaman going to the king asking for leprosy. The king says, am I the guy who can do this? Am I God that I can cure leprosy? And when the leper in the New Testament comes to Jesus, Jesus says, I am willing. I am going to do this. All right. Second part of this. We get a fork in the road. Chris, when you read this verse, it says that Jesus was indignant or angry. Did anybody have a different translation on that? Did anybody read something different in there? No? If you look at this, um, the way that people translate this, the way that people tra- this verse has been translated in different passages, some are going to say that Jesus was indignant. Right, and it did get warm in here, Chris. I know you're saying that. Is it warm or is it nice and toasty in here? it again. Okay. Um, Jesus was indignant, right? Or he's he's angry. And some translations, if you look at it, it, says filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. So let's look at this little fork in the road and and why these two these two this kind of variation happens here. Um, <laughs> I would say I would say sometimes even for me, right, sometimes we get a bit uncomfortable with the angry Jesus, right? Anybody kind of think about the angry Jesus? I'm like, eh, I don't know about that Jesus. I'm not really comfortable. It's interesting, though, when you study Jesus, one of the dominant um, emotions that's associated with him is anger, right? And again, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but um, in chapter 3, right, Chapter three, I think is my favorite healing in all the Bible. There's a man with a withered hand, right? He has this withered hand. Jesus tells him to stand up in front of everybody. And then he asks him a question. He says, "Um, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath to save life or to kill, to do good or to do evil? And everybody remains silent. Jesus says, hey, Chris, what's lawful? What's better to do on the Sabbath to save life or to kill? And the obvious answer is to say to do good or to do evil. Right? But Jesus asked him this question, like, oh, I don't know what the answer is to that. It says that um, Jesus looks around at the crowd in anger, right? He's angry at these people. Um, in chapter 10, um, people are bringing, this is classic passage, people are bringing little children to Jesus to touch him. And what, is, what, is, what do his disciples do? They say, Jesus needs to focus, get the children some applesauce and send them all to the... <laughs> yes, that's, that's the last time I'll use that joke. Right? He's like, he's like you know, they're bringing these little children. The disciples are, are sending them away. They're rebuking them away. And what does Jesus do? Jesus gets angry at his disciples for this. Right? Jesus is angry and he rebukes the disciples um, because of what they're doing. right? Now, Jesus might be angry here. What is Jesus angry at, right? It says that he's, he's indignant. What is Jesus angry at here? There's a couple ways to understand his anger here. One could be, um, you know, we've been praying for Melanie, and I am assuming you've felt this emotion. And I know that anybody who's had somebody close to them suffer from cancer has been angry at cancer, right? It's where that whole, I'll be careful with the little ears, it's 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 really the depth of the language. You know, we've seen like all those kind of F word and then cancer alongside of it, right? We've seen those stickers and that whole kind of movement. It's really, that movement is expressing the anger that we feel towards a disease, right? And we feel that. We feel when we see somebody suffering and dying and perishing and, and wasting away. And it could be cancer. It could be dementia. It could be, um, man, I know that there was times during the kind of the peak of COVID and you're watching people die of COVID. It could be whatever it is, right? There is, there is a sense of anger that, that you experience towards that. Is that what Jesus was angry at, right? Was Jesus angry at this disease of leprosy? Um, Tim Gombas in his commentary had a little bit of a different um, slant on it. Gombas said it like this. He says that Jesus is angry at the corrupted social codes And practices that marginalize those who need care. Jesus reacts with anger at the broken community dynamics that are ostracizing one who needs healing and restoration. Jesus is not indignant at this man. He's not angry at the man with leprosy. But is moved with anger at the situation where community deterioration is at work. Right? So... Gombus is kind of looking more uh, at a systemic anger, that Jesus is angry at the systems in which you saw the reaction, right? And when we watched the little clip, you saw the reaction when the man with leprosy comes and everybody's pulling out their knives and screaming, don't come any closer. Have fun, you guys. Is it raining? Is it raining? I don't, that don't stop those kids. Oh, it is stop them. Was it raining hard or just kind of, yeah? It's like a heavy, what do you call it? Like a heavy mist? All right. Um, so, it, you know, again, is he angry like like in the cancer sense? Is he angry more at the kind of social, the community dynamics, the community deterioration, which again would prompt that response where anybody who with this leprosy, you're drawing knives, you're yelling at him, you're screaming. But Jesus... Jesus is angry, right? So that's one way to understand it. And then the other word that often, you know, again, okay, filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And even for me, this was okay, this is what's convicting for me, right? You read the filled with compassion, you're like, oh, that feels better. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, that's that's the Jesus that I know. And the chosen does a good job kind of showing a really compassionate Jesus. Um, and again kind of going back, like, we're just not comfortable with this kind of angry Jesus, right? And sometimes, so here's what was convicting to me, is like, why am I not comfortable with a Jesus that can get angry, right? Why am I not comfortable? And it challenged me almost sometimes to look at the paradigm or the lens in which I want to view Jesus. Like, I just want to view him as kind of nice and warm and fuzzy and compassionate, Right? And I, I don't want like an indignant, I don't want an angry Jesus. And that was, that was like almost like kind of a rebuke to me because like that's, again, who the Bible portrays Jesus as. Angry, often, right? Um, I think what happens, one of the things let me just say one like little twist on that, we often associate Jesus' anger with our anger, which uh, uh, oftentimes is not a. A healthy, restorative, appropriate anger, right, our anger oftentimes just deteriorates into we 're not getting our way right we 're not getting our way, and so now we 're angry jesus 's anger i don 't think operates on the same level that human anger does, but again it it's, was challenging for me to think to kind of think through like hey how does how does this anger how does this anger work um, so Jesus filled with compassion. To be a leper is to be a living corpse. We see in this in the the video how long is this man gone without touch, without somebody even being able to get near him, right? There were actual specifications. um, Oops, there was actual actual specifications um, in Judaism that said how far you had to stay away from a leper. So, um, if Brian, if you were a leper. Um, you had to stay, it was a hundred cubits away from me if you were downwind, okay? If you were downwind from me, a hundred cubits. And you're like, what's a cubit? A cubit is about from here to about here. It's about a foot and a half, right? So you had to stay about 150 feet away from me if you were a leper, if you were downwind. Um, if you were upwind from me, it's about six cubits, okay? So they had specifications of like, six, just six, right? Um, is that right? Did I say that right? If I'm sorry, 100 cubits if you're upwind, right? Because I don't want your wind germ leprosy stuff coming down to me. If you're downwind for me, it was six. It was so 106. So that was. And these are like the specifications laid out in Judaism. Like, hey, this is what you had to do. Um, here's the thing, though. What's most troubling about this is if, if you know, again, say you're a leper, and I stepped into that bubble, right, at some level. You know, and here I am, I'm in, getting closer to this leper. The problem is, is not that, I mean, sure, I could maybe catch leprosy, right? The problem is, is that by being in proximity to Brian, I become unclean, right? This is the problem, is I become unclean. And to become clean, to become, or impure, right? To become pure again, there was an elaborate process that you had to go through to have that kind of purity, um, to have that purity reestablished. So that way I could kind of enter into social relationships. So you're a leper, right? I come within proximity to you. Well, all of a sudden I'm impure. I have to go, what does Jesus tell him to do? I got to go show myself to the priest. I have to, um, I can't go to church. I can't interact with my, my community, with my neighborhood. I have to stay away from everybody. I'm impure. So you have to go through all of this, um, this kind of elaborate steps to become pure again, so that way you can have social interaction, right? Um, I was thinking about this, you know. Uh, okay, I want to be. I don't want to be too hard on anybody, or, or I hope this doesn't get awkward at all. Um, remember, in the early in the early days of COVID, we're all trying to kind of figure out, like, hey, what's going on? How is this working? What are we doing? And I know that there were some folks who um, would go to the grocery store. We had a a neighbor do this. They would go to the grocery store and then they would come home from the grocery store and they they would disinfect all their groceries. Remember this, right? And it was this elaborate kind of methodology where you had something that was specifically kind of, as we would say, unclean, right? And you brought it into your presence, and then you had to kind of do all of these steps, wiping it down, cleaning it, setting it aside. My wife reminded me, I didn't remember this one, but like people would go to McDonald's to get chicken nuggets, and they thought that the chicken nuggets were unclean, so they would bring them home and re-microwave them to kill germs. Did anybody remember this one? No, she told me. I was like, but, but, (laughs) but, I mean, we can't get (laughs) soaked. So this is, this is the problem, right, is if you get in, in, in proximity with this person, as an individual, all these steps that you would need to take to make yourself clean. So when Jesus reaches out his hand, again, the compassionate piece, right, the, the type of isolation, and, and I've said this, and, and again, the biggest thing for me about Jesus' healing is that he walks into people's lives, like lepers, like those with fevers, like those who are demon-possessed, whatever disease it has and he 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 engages those people and their his life flows to them. Their sickness doesn't flow to him. And you know, seeing that compassion, especially in that clip where Jesus touches this man for the first time in how long? Years? Decades? And not only, you know, you're not even allowed to be within hundred or ten feet of people. Like that's how, you know. He talks at the end. He says, "Hey, you know, give him a tunic, right? If you were a leper, you wore these ratty, kind of gross clothing, so that way people would identify you from far away. Oh yeah, see that person's clothes over there? They're a leper. I got to stay away from them. I got to keep my hundred and fifty feet, or my, depending on which way the wind's blowing. I got to figure all that stuff out. So we feel that sort of compassion that Jesus has with man. Is he angry? Is he compassionate?" Is he both? Uh, Good question. Um, So, what else do I want to talk about? Uh, Let's uh, let's get the wall breaker. You know, I I I would say I struggle a little bit with this passage, and here's where I struggle a bit with this passage when I think about it. Right? You know, in in. In the, in the chosen clip, right, the disciples pull their knives. They start yelling at them. They start screaming. Um, it's interesting. I, I identify with that. I place myself in the, in, the, in the place of the disciples. And the disciples in so many senses, rightfully so. Like that's probably where we should identify. What happens is, is oftentimes churches will preach these sermons that will say, hey, find the leper in your life and go heal them. Um, find who's the outsider, who's the marginalized. We got to go love that person. We got to go wrap our arms around that pe- those people. And sometimes I think that this, you know, we get caught up in kind of over-spiritualizing this passage for us, that we forget that, that really all that this passage is about, right? It's about Jesus doing a miracle, right? Jesus ministering. And we forget, you know, because sometimes again, like again, pastors, me, sometimes I say, hey, who who is the leper in your life? Right? Who's that person? You gotta go minister, you gotta do and we forget that this passage is just sometimes for us to sit back and say, and we watched it and just say, Man, Jesus was incredible. And I want to worship him and I want to give him my life, right? And he breaks down this wall. We talked about this wall last week where Jesus opens up that wall between the temple um, he breaks down that wall he is breaking down the wall again so I think that there's this piece here in this that you know I, I was kind of like okay well who's the leper and how do we you know overcome and how do we find that person is it the LGBTQ community is it the the opposite race or whatever it's just like eh, maybe we can skip all that and just say that Jesus did an amazing miracle and I want to worship him all right lastly Jesus gives him these instructions, right? Go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. Now, William Lane, man, this was one of those things that I feel like I should have studied this before. And I just, it was brand new to me this year, studying it and looking at it. Um, Why does Jesus tell him to show himself to the priest? A lot of people would say that he's just, you know, trying to reinforce the Old Testament regulations, the sacrifices, the laws, right? There's that passage in Matthew, not one um, jot or tittle will be undone from the uh, law. Everything, like I'm here to fulfill the law. I'm not here to you know, abolish the law. I'm here to fulfill the law, right? So why does he say, go show yourself to the priest, right? So if this guy goes to the priest, right? Imagine the guy in the chosen video. If he goes to the priest and the priest looks at this man and says, wow, you are clean, right? You are clean. If the priest were to establish the fact that the man was clean, here's the thing, yet fail to recognize the person and power through whom the healing has come, they, the priest, will stand condemned by the very evidence which they have been supplied. Right? So, if this man goes to the priest, step one, right? the priest either declares that the man is clean, or unclean, right? So the priest will, uh, Brian, sorry, you're my man with leprosy this morning. I, you come to me and say, hey, look, I'm clean. And I say, uh, no, you're not. I still see all these sores all over your body. You're still unclean. Stay away from me. I don't want you to get me impure. But then I say to you, oh, no, 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 Brian, you are clean, right? If you, if you are clean, how did you get, like how, how were you cured of leprosy? And you would say what? Jesus cured me. Jesus cured me. Right? So one of the things that's so fascinating that what Jesus is doing here, right, when he says, Go show yourself to the priest. Right? I want you to go show yourself to it's brilliant. It's almost like he's saying, like right now, we don't need all the crowds out of it, or in, in part of this, this just keep all the crowds. I don't want all those people to know. But I want the priest, which is interesting that Jesus says, I want the priests, I want the, the Pharisees, I want the teachers of the law to know that God is on the move, right? Go show yourself to the priest, right? Um, in in the in the previous teaching, I talked about how Jesus was breaking down the walls of the temple, right? He broke down the wall between the, the kind of outer temple when he heals the leper, using that Matthew 8 passage. He breaks down that women's court when he heals Peter's mother-in-law. He breaks down... Um, I'm sorry, the Gentiles' court when he heals the Roman centurion's son, right? He breaks down the women's court when he heals Peter's mother-in-law. He is eventually going to tear the the curtain in two. I feel like Jesus, in some senses, is like kind of breaking down that wall between the clergy, the priests, and just the normal people. Jesus is like, hey, I want all these people to know that I'm on the move, that that Yahweh is on the move. Um, I think that's all I got for the end of chapter one. Uh, as we kind of think about this teaching. So let's spend a few minutes in discussion and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, You know, did you notice any other connections between the leper healings, maybe Jesus and the Old Testament, if you were to kind of weigh those two uh, in your head? Um, Which word did you resonate with more? Indignant or compassion? Um, Or maybe which explanation or kind of which way would you go? Why would that be? How does this healing just make you appreciate Jesus more? Not to heap more like, hey, you got to go do this or or you got to go do that. How does this healing, how does watching Jesus do this to this man, whether it was through the video, studying, listening, reading the Bible, how does it just make you appreciate and want to worship Jesus more? Uh, And then have you just had any highlights? We're done with chapter one. Any highlights from chapter one? Any things that stood out? So um, that's about all I got. Take a few moments. Uh, Just consider those if you want to talk to somebody next to you and then we'll we don't have a big group, so we'll just have a couple, a couple thoughts, and then we'll take Eucharist.